the inside is right it's time to be stirred the time is now the winds have changed read the signs no time to hide the winds have changed millennia ago from the little cave on the tiny island of Podmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Good afternoon and welcome to the Winds of Change. I'm David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony. Very good to be here. It's uh, been some time and... Um, I want to start out with a prayer today because it is noontime. So let's start with the angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So good to be here again. And um, in uh, 2020 and in the in the you can't make this stuff up category welcome to 2020 it's really something i um we entered the year here uh, in our apostolate uh, i am the executive director of the world apostolate of fatima our lady's blue army um many of you know me know us and um we started this year realizing that i actually had a conversation with uh with our episcopal advisor uh bishop joseph perry from chicago here actually and we had a conversation about 2020 and we said maybe God, we need to have 2020 vision this year as to what's going on that's before all these wonderful things happen right? <laughs> or all these form you know formative things happen this year but you know we are in a time that many never thought we'd ever find ourselves in the united states you know you know often the consequences of a crisis reach well beyond the issue which brought about the difficulties you know, four months after all public masses were suspended by government edict to control a health crisis our country has descended into chaos and violence. Any belief that these things are unrelated is really naive. Yes, we've had the ability to see the Mass online, but this is not full participation in the Holy Sacrifice. Being deprived of the Blessed Sacrament and the other sacraments is spiritual starvation. 
If you do not have a burning hunger for the essence of our faith after this time of deprivation, you need to reevaluate your priorities. Sadly, 70% of nominal Catholics do not believe in the real presence. Perhaps this explains the lack of indignation, the silence of which is deafening. St. Padre Pio once said, it would be easier for the world to survive without the Son than to do so without the Holy Mass. Cardinal Seurat, the prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacrament, states that a priest needs to look at God, not into a camera. Regarding the suggestions and directives about new ways of receiving Holy Communion, he states, many pandemic communion proposals are madness. Jesus cannot be treated like this. Only a reverent belief in the real presence and a courage to demand reverence on the part of our faithful will restore things. We are grateful to be able to return to offering a public mass now. Nothing is more essential in our times. But it's an interesting time. It is, it is the time that I hope, and I, I, as I've been speaking quite a bit lately, and I just say to people, it is really important that we understand. I, I hope that we have a hunger. We have such a hunger inside of us right now for what we have not had in these months that we don't let a day go by without receiving the receiving Holy Communion when possible, because it is a uh, it is our life. You know, our Lord said that that you know, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And and I think I think what we're seeing the how society is just denigrated, just really disintegrating civilly right now. I think it's a result of this. And so um, so we have we know what we're supposed to do, and we as as a member of uh, you know as those of our members of the World Apostle of Fatima, Our Lady's Blue Army, of which I direct, um, uh, you know we we offer a lot of resources, and we've we have been actually. We have been going out and about as much as possible during this period of time, bringing the statue of Our Lady, and in some cases with the priest that we're with, bringing the Blessed Sacrament in our beautiful motorhome, which goes around and has the um, uh, has the you know the beautiful images of Our Lady and everything. And and we've traveled uh, here in the Midwest. We were in Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, out east, we've been going through. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, where we're located, where the, our national shrine is located, and into New York. And New York hit so hard by everything from the from the pandemic to the um, you know to the violence that's hit in these last weeks. It's been it's been really something. But it's an interesting thing. Uh, we were out in um, New York about a week and a half ago, and driving on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, which uh, we were somewhere in Brooklyn or Queens, I'm not exactly sure at the time, we received a phone call from our office that a man saw the motorhome, which has the beautiful image of Our Lady. It's a beautiful wrap. And this is what our custodians use when they bring the statue around the country. And a man called, and, our, and they said he was in tears on the phone. He said, he said, we need our mother, and we do. We turn to Mary. When children are in trouble, they turn to their mother. Uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we need her. So, uh, so you know, we have to we have to look at, at 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 this as a purification. We have to take it for what it is, and let's move on. But let's let's be committed to embracing our faith in a way in a way that obviously, uh, again, promoting the message of Fatima. It's something that we've talked about in our apostolate regularly, constantly, and uh, this is what Our Lady spoke about in 1917. You know, she said. She said, um, if my requests are not heeded, boy, if my requests are not heeded, she said, um, of course, World War II was going on. She goes, there can be peace, but if my requests are not heeded, another greater war will come after this. Well, look at World War II and the horrible carnage of that, that 
thing. Well, you know, this is history. Then she said the church would be persecuted. The Holy Father would have much to suffer. Uh, and she's, you know, and, and, and all these things. And look what's going on today. Yes, it's 103 years later. But did we follow what she said? To some degree, yes. But to, to a great degree, no. Um, and she said a real, real telling thing. She said nations could be annihilated. Wow. Think about that. And we say, oh, my God, nuclear war. Our apostolate was founded in 1947 by uh, Monsignor Harold Colgan and John Haffert when um, in, re- in response to that after World War II, the beginning of the Cold War, and Monsignor Colgan said, I want a blue army of prayer to counter that red army of atheistic communism because, you know, Russia had spread her errors because, quite frankly, we didn't do enough to stop it as a people. Okay. I think had we all put on the sackcloth and ashes back then, like the king of Nineveh did, um, we could have turned a lot of this back. But reality is what it is. People did pick up the call. People avoided worse things. But when she talked about nations being annihilated, that rung true right after the atomic bomb in 1947 and that. But we have to look at where we're at today um, between contraception and abortion. I think we've done a pretty good job of annihilating society ourselves. So we, we just have to, we have to think with a Catholic eye. We have to listen to what Our Lady told us, which is nothing more than what Christ told us on earth. It's what Moses told in the, in the Old Testament. You know, you know, follow the laws of God. They're there for a reason. They're the laws of nature. And if we deviate from them, we deviate from the serenity of, of living, you know, from the first sin of Adam and Eve when they were expelled from the garden. They lived in serenity. Look what it caused. And look what we've caused with our additional sins on top of that. Anyway, so we know our, we know our job, we know our, our, our needs, and um, I want to welcome, uh, Tony Snell is here with me today. Tony, of course, is a regular on the show here, <laughs> and uh, Father Anthony asked me to sit in, and Tony said, I could be here, come on. So, <laughs> yeah. so here we are together, Tony, welcome. It's great Thank to be you. with it's you. It's always good to have you here. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, we've been on together with Father in, yeah. in the past, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but just I want, I want to throw it to you a little bit, because you're here in the Archdiocese of Chicago, mm-hmm. and you're also here at St. Stan Casca Parish, this beautiful beautiful shrine to divine mercy yes because it's so appropriate right now so tell me how, how is it going here what is what's happening now in well, the parish we, we've been yeah, i've been involved with opening the church which beautiful things you said i mean i i could not i just concur with just about everything you've said i, I feel the same way um if we we don't realize that this is where we should be and how important the eucharist is how important our churches are mm. But we, we've been, you know, getting it together. We've opened the church probably the end of um, May a little bit. We've had people come back for adoration. We're open. We're open, um, I believe the hours, I'm not sure what the hours are. It's um, 1 to 9, Monday to Friday. Um, or oh, actually Monday, well, Monday to Saturday, I would assume, somewhere around that time. But we've had people come back, which is is nice. And I dare I say, I don't really... <laughs> I hate to be negative, and most people that know me, I tend to be a little negative. But I, I was just my feelings. I was just hoping once those doors open, everybody would swarm in. But I, I understand how people may be afraid. I know a lot of what's going on is due to a lot of fear, which I understand. I, I understand. I understood it better after the fact. But I mean, we had a we had a good first day we opened the church again. There were people, you know, my thoughts were like, again, I was hoping that there would be mobs of people coming in, but we, we pretty much handled it. People are there for 20 minutes or so. And, and sure. it's, it's, it's good. You've seen people come in for 20 minutes, 
or you see people because at first it was the 10 at a time, which I didn't really in the back of my mind think that was going to work. But it has. I'm, I'm surprised and I'm thankful that people do come in and they understand what it is to just, you know, the social distancing and things like that. Yeah. But uh, people do come in and once the masses open up, that's to me that first day I, I just I was I was yeah. blown away to be there and to yeah. be able to go to communion again. It's it's just beautiful. Well, you know the um, uh, the location of this parish, of course, right along the Kennedy Expressway. Now, my wife and I, of course, we're, we're parishioners at Saint John mm-hmm. Cantius, have been for many years. Right. Love, love our parish, and of course, Father Father Joshua uh, Caswell mm-hmm. has been on this show with me a number of times. Yeah. Love Father Joshua. Yeah, we all love Father Joshua. Plus, they, they and the canons also work here at yeah. Saint Stan's. They, they back mm-hmm. up Father Anthony a lot. And uh, um, but you know I've always had an attachment to this parish too. Mm-hmm. Not even not just for the show, but just for years. And I was, there are a number of times where I might be coming in from the north side or something, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm going to hop off at Division and yeah. stop in. And it's those ten minute visits in front of our Lord because I knew there's perpetual adoration. At least per, was perpetual. Right. And I'm sure you'll be back to it. But that was always. Let me just go. You know, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's so ideal, the way you're set up right here. You get right. off, and I tell anybody, coming down to Kennedy Expressway, you're stuck in traffic, get off for a few minutes and come in here and say a prayer. It is interesting how you, you, you yeah. would want to come in, and, and, this, and people are busy. I know that a lot of times I work till late at night sometimes, but there was times when I would, right out of work, come here, and it's you, sure. you come in for that 20 minutes, and it could end up to be an hour. It could be in, end up more. It's just yeah. you're in such a peaceful Oh, it, it is. It is. There's no more peaceful place than kneeling in front of our Lord. Exactly. And this is what our whole thrust is become. Because, because, see, the Fatima message, the foundation of the Fatima message is Eucharistic reparation. It's reparation for sin, yeah. but it's Eucharistic reparation, okay? And, of course, in the, here in the, in the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Blue Army, we have held um, uh, all-night vigils going back for 50 years, more than mm. 50 years, um, three of them a month. I mean, at the chapel on Christiana Avenue on the north side, the west side uh, yes. out in St. Uh, John Vianney, and in the south suburbs with, with the sisters on, uh, in Oak Paro, or excuse me, Oak Forest. And this has been going on forever. I grew up with this. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying that I, you know, you know, you get into school, you grow up, you know everything, <laughs> and you come back to it later. But you come to realize what your foundation is. And truly, it was it was that those nights of prayer. Yeah. And our founder, uh, John Hafford, wrote a beautiful book, Night of Love, which we promote, and that's mm-hmm. available on our website, BlueArmy.com, for anybody who's interested in it. And this is a book that structures the all night vigils. Okay, now he started them all over the country mm-hmm. and, and all over the world, really. And there's one that goes on in New York and Manhattan that's been going on continuously for 50, I don't know, 50 oh. years or something. I don't know the exact time. Uh, I'm going to have Barb Ernst, our director of communications, on here after the break uh, to talk about it. And Barb actually went to New York and, and attended one of the all-night vigils. So I'll let her talk a little bit about that. But, but you know, the, um, uh, the, the all-night vigils, the prayers, because you're praying one at a time, probably when the most sin is committed in the mm. night hours, okay, you know. And I always remember um, one of the prayers that we, one of the litanies, I would say, that we always prayed was the night litany for a big city. Oh. And that always stayed in my heart. And to this day, when we have, now we have our all-night vigils going at the shrine, the Blue Army Shrine in New Jersey. Of course, when we're the headquarters of the apostolate. But, but we have, even in this time when we couldn't have many other things, we had our all-night vigils. Mm. We had people separated. We had everything we needed. Okay, we followed the rules as best we could, and and um, and and you know, and but we were there, and and we were fortunate in our diocese never to be totally closed down. 
And uh, so because of that, we were able to do many things. So after we come back, we have to take a break here now. And when we come back, I, um, uh, I want to bring in Barb and we we'll talk a little bit about what we were doing as an apostolate during this time, tying it into what's going on here. And, um, uh, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> moving on to what this is all about, this prayer foundation. So I'm David Carollo, the World Apostle of Fatima, sitting in today for Father Anthony on listener-supported Winds of Change, AM 750 WNDZ. Yes, there is a free lunch. You can find chicken tenders, mac and cheese, pizza, pancakes, and more for children under 18 years of age in each household, available for grab-and-go curbside pickup Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 1.30 p.m. at Holy Trinity High School, 1443 West Division. The children don't have to be Holy Trinity students. Holy Trinity High School has partnered with Country House on the ISBE Summer Food Service Program. Enjoy Country House's signature made from scratch cooking and fun snack packs to brighten your summer. To find out more about the free lunch at Holy Trinity High School, call 708-389-4618. That's 708-389-4618. Come and enjoy meals every day. Let's eat! Anybody got an extra spork? I lost mine. The Winds of Change. The Winds of Change. On AM 750, WNDZ. Here's some welcome news. Father Anthony is reopening St. Stanislaus Koska for the worship of Almighty God. St. Stan's will be limited to 150 people at any given time and you must register to attend Mass. Because there's a lot of information that you'll need to have, we recommend that you visit the Winds of Change Facebook page to read Father Anthony's letter, which can walk you through the entire registration process. You can also register to attend Mass at St. Stan's by calling the parish office at 773-278-2470. That's 773-278-2470. Welcome back. David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony and WNDZ, uh, Winds of Change. Um, I'm here with uh, Tony Snell, and Tony and I were talking about the, the many things going on. Uh, of course, the, 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 the opening up of the church is here again now, mm-hmm. you know, and a beautiful thing. Um, I have said, like I said earlier, we have to be so focused on what we were deprived of. Okay, we need to be strong. You know, we respect our, our bishops. We respect our, you know, we'll respect civil authority, but we can't have, we have to stand up at times too. Okay, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a health expert, but I'm going to tell you, I do believe that the spiritual health is anybody, you know, to say that churches weren't essential, I'm sorry, I will disagree with that. I think we needed to be open at some degree throughout this, but again, again. but anyway, I want to bring someone in right now who can help us uh, work a little bit. Uh, Barb Ernster is our, um, is our Director of Communications for the Apostolate, for the World Apostolate of Fatima, and uh, Barb and I, we work very closely on many of these things, and uh, Barb, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be on with you again, Dave, on Winds of Change. It's been a while since I've been on. It has. It has. I was telling Tony uh, that uh, the last time I did it was uh, we were living in a different world. I mean, here we are in uh, 
2020, I said, you know, this all falls in the you can't make this stuff up category. And, right. and here we are. But you know what? That's okay because we are, we were just talking about this whole idea of, uh, of course, we are the blue army. We're the world of positive fat, but we are still our lady's blue army. And we have to be, we have to re, you know, keep in mind that whole concept that we are the church militant. We have to be here fighting for our faith, okay? And that's really what it comes down to. And uh, we, were, we were talking a bit beforehand about uh, the work we're doing with, of course, Eucharistic adoration, reparation. Here at St. Stan's, they have perpetual adoration. Um, right now, not exactly perpetual because right. of the limitations on time in church and a number of people. But uh, it, will, it will return to that and, and sooner rather than later. And I was talking a bit about the things we've been involved with, uh, talking a little bit about um, the all-night vigils, the all-night vigils that were held here so many times in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I was talking about the one in New York, and you attended that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, what that experience was when you went to New York, and give some details on it so we can... Uh, uh, yeah, that was an amazing thing. I was reading our founder, John Hafford's book, and he had worked with this one parish in Manhattan, St. John the Baptist, down by Penn Station. And that priest there was willing to start these all-night vigils, so that's where it started. Yeah. And I looked it up, and I thought, oh, this church is still there, and then I realized they're still doing the all-night vigils. So I called and, and uh, reached... Uh, Father John Rorden is the man, the priest who continues these vigils, and I, I called him. I said, I want to come and check this out. And he, I wanted to interview him, but he said, well, you got to come and experience it first. He wouldn't tell me a whole lot. So I went, and I was, I was just amazed of the people that come in on buses and taxis and trains and subways from all over the New York metro area um, around outside of Manhattan. They come from Boston, Washington, D.C., and he can't stop the vigils because they won't let him. So they start them at 9 o'clock at night. They they do the first part to the Sacred Heart, and then they transition to the Immaculate Heart. And, I mean, I was just an observer, but I was amazed at many, many ethnic groups. And one thing Father Rorden told me, he said, some people wonder why someone would come here on a Friday night for an all-night vigil. The people who come are the ones still populating the Church. I simply refer to them as the widow's might. They make the greatest sacrifice. And that inspired me so much, because when you're up all night, you know, then you're done at 5 in the morning, and everybody just left, and they went into their respective subways and, and got on buses, and they just left in silence. And it's 5 in the morning, you're tired, but you just felt so alive. I mean, it was an amazing experience, and I just thought, you know, we need to bring these back. We do. Uh, I have. I will just say one more thing. I I have a middle of the night holy hour at three o'clock in the morning tonight, and I always feel like that. That's just uh, Father Armand Dasseville who started these with our founder John Hafford. He said night vigilers pray in reparation for the wrongs in society and to obtain special graces and mercy for a generally sick and sinful world. So I feel like if you if you have the energy and you know to get out in the middle of the night. At a perpetual adoration chapel, I think it's one of the most refreshing things to do. I think it's there is a time of special grace in the middle of the night. There really is, and I think I, I was I was uh, telling Tony um, the one the one devotion you know something just kind of stays in your mind all the time, and I've always loved that night litany for a big city. And when you couldn't yes. really go through it, you're 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 really for those who are out for evil trades, Lord have mercy. For those who will die tonight without the sacraments, Lord have mercy. You know, for those who work for the police and the firemen and others, have you know guide them, protect them. The whole thing 
it, it, it's now, of course, we, we instituted the, uh, the the vigils again now at the shrine in, in New Jersey, and we're in a rural area. But, you know, it, it, it does a big city. There, there's big cities everywhere. <laughs> and here in Chicago, where we always did, and they continue to do the all-night vigils three out of the four months. They do it a little differently here because here they do it on the second, third, and fourth weekends of the month. And then they save first Friday, first Saturday weekend typically for the um, – uh, for the parishes, because there are a lot of mm-hmm. first Saturday devotions in the parishes. We, of course, on east, out east, have done it more with the first. You did it once a month on the first Friday, first Saturday. Um, but but it's it, it is and it's a beautiful thing that to go from first Friday into first Saturday with the you know with, with mm-hmm. the all night vigil. But you you do. We always started with the 9 p.m. mass on Friday, and ended up at a 5 a.m. mass on Saturday. And it, it is just uh, it it's it's really the way. And I I always was struck with the one question that John Hafford poses in the book, Night of Love. Can we save, can you save 1,000 souls during a night of adoration? You know, and I've always said, I believe we can, depending yeah. on our fervor, of course, you know, and I, I truly believe that. That's how efficacious this is, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, you're in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, right? We were talking early in the show here, of course, about um, the biggest deprivation we've had in this period of time is not having access to the sacraments in general, but particularly, you know, obviously the Holy Communion. And, um, and I, I think, um, and I, 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 I am convinced that, that it's, it's three or four months without regular masses, which has led to the chaos that we're dealing with in this, in this, um, this country today. You know, and this isn't being political. This is factual, okay? You know, mm-hmm. the hatred, the anger, the actions, the responses, all of this has a diabolical origin. And the only way you, you uh, get by that is obviously devotion to the Blessed Sacrament and, and, and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I remember, uh, and I've, I've quoted him many, many times, Father Hugh McSherry, who was the um, chaplain at our hotel retreat center, Domus Pachas, in Fatima in Portugal. Uh, you would ask Father, many, many groups, of course, over the years that I brought there, and he would, <laughs> he would ask Father McSherry, you know, Father, um, explain to people what the Fatima message is. What, what is the essence of the Fatima message? And he would, he had a gravelly voice, and he would say, he would say, reparation, reparation, Eucharistic reparation, and his, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it is, Eucharistic reparation. You make more reparation, I believe, kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament or attending the Holy Mass, of course, than in anything else we do. We pray our rosaries, and they're very efficacious. We offer up our daily duties. We accept things that happen. That's all good. But I can't imagine anything is more pleasing to God than, than kneeling in his presence, and um, and these, these vigils do that. And I believe that's why. I'm sorry. Go ahead. These vigils actually started in Fatima. They started right. after the apparitions when people would come the night before. That's right. And they would, on the night before the 13th of the month events, and then they would stay all night. And so they started offering the Eucharistic, um, exposing the Eucharist during the night. And they'd start with a, they'd have the first Friday Mass to the Sacred Heart, and then they'd end in the morning with the Mass to the Immaculate Heart. So right. it, it is a, something that came out of. Fatima and um, Saint John Paul the twenty Saint John the twenty third said about these all night vigils. He said, "This is the cloister brought into the world." Yes. So yes, if anybody, I mean, I, I it is, it's like you're on a, you're, you're like you're in a cloistered uh, convent when you're when you're there praying and doing reparation. And yes, it it does bring you closer to the Lord and, and the Eucharist, and you when you really understand, you know, those who were there with Jesus in the garden, they fell asleep, but 
um, to me, it's 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 just saying to the Lord, if no one else will, then I will. You know, yes. just being that one person who's going to stay there and stay awake and yes. and yes. to adore Him and worship Him. Will you not watch one hour with me? You know that 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 that, that phrase always came to me <laughs> because it, He doesn't ever ask for much. He asks for one hour. One hour. Give yeah. him all night. That's great. Yeah. Well, what I was, uh, what what uh, Tony and I were discussing earlier, and uh, perhaps you you heard it or not, um, is that this this parish here, Saint Stan Costco, where the studios are located, um, is is located right off the Kennedy Expressway here, with what again will be again perpetual adoration. But there's so many times that I've come home at an evening, my wife and I doing certain things, and we would hop off the expressway here and stop in, and pray. Just you know. Ten minutes? Yeah, ten minutes, something. Wouldn't be much. Sometimes we stay a prayer rosary, whatever. But it is it, it is so important. And this they have this beautiful the beautiful monstrance here is is uh, just amazing. And uh, and uh, the um, the 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 church is is built for that. And I think that's what we need. We need to have this access. I think the I think the tragedy of uh, actually this was not me. Father John Harden, the late Father John Harden, once said that the tragedy today. Uh, it closed churches is the tragedy of the 20th and into the 21st century because he said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they never had that. <laughs> and now churches in many places are locked for security reasons and, of course, now closed for health reasons. You know, you know people, would, people would often come in and out of churches all day. I mean, as a kid, I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of Catholic churches, and they were always open. You could always stop in and mm-hmm. say a prayer, you know, and, and pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, of course, reposed, but still they're available. And uh, I think that's I think that's the the sense of what we have to put in to people's minds again is that the, this need to be you know to 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 want to be in front of God want to be in front of the uh, like the children of Fatima for example uh, Saint Francisco uh, what do you say he wanted to pray he always go to visit the hidden Jesus as he said because that's you know because he, he knew and this is the sad part about it when they say seventy percent of nominal Catholics do not even believe in a real presence today. That's that's scandalous to say the least, and it's tragic in reality because. And and yet, when you're there before the Eucharist, all of your troubles just seem to melt away, or they just become not so burdensome. I mean, right. the Lord is really there to ease our burdens, and yeah. that's my proof that He's truly present. That I can go there to the Eucharist, and and I feel the difference when I come out. I can go into a a little chapel with no Eucharist, and I might not feel the same. Right. But going before the Eucharistic Lord, your burdens lighten, and that's what he said. My burdens, you know, my my yoke is easy, my burdens light. I mean, he he's there to help us get through yes. this time in life, and right. it's a really important thing. Our our church in Minneapolis, and we've had our share of unrest here. They opened their church during the coronavirus twenty four seven. We started perpetual adoration, and we did it in the big church, the main church, instead of the chapel, so we could socially distance. Yeah. I've so appreciated that that all through this time, I've been able to go there and. And worship. Yeah, and that is important. We've had that same thing. Uh, being at the shrine in New Jersey, uh, we've had we've had the, the the ability every day because we were very blessed. Our bishop was accommodating. Uh, you know, we had we had the mass um, streamed, which everybody did from uh, every day at noon. And at twelve thirty, we opened up the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. Father heard confessions, and we had uh, we had adoration for that period of time till three o'clock. Well, that's beautiful. We're still doing that now. Of course, now we're having the masses. They're upstairs in the main shrine outside, and we we have uh, you know we're, we're 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 I wouldn't say we're quite back to normal, but we're we're getting great crowds mm-hmm. because 
with only with the churches in New Jersey being limited to 50 people only, we're fortunate with an outdoor venue. And uh, and the people that are coming, Barb, I mean, um, I've shared some of this with you and, and, and Antonio and do the same. Um, I, last week I had a phone call from, I, I just happened to be walking in the office and I went by the reception desk, it rang, so I picked it up, nobody was there. And a lady said, you know, do you have mass? I said, yeah, we do, Sunday, you know. And she says, well, I'm calling from New York, can we come? I said, well, sure, please do, you know. And, and she goes, oh, my God, thank you. And she came to, I'm bringing like three or four other people with me. So that was a Saturday. Well, anyway, on Sunday, um, I was, after the mass, there were a good number of people there. We were, you know, talking a bit. And that lady came up to me. She had tears in her eyes, you know. And she said, she said, oh, she goes, I can't, you can't tell you how important this was to be able to come to mass. And I said, well, you're welcome anytime. And I'm hoping you'll, you'll have, find the same thing there. I don't know. I think they could innovate a little bit and maybe open up a stadium or something for a similar thing. Now, of course, they don't have a roof over their heads like we do. We're very blessed to have that, that um, venue that we do have. But, uh, but it is so important to people, and I think this is what it is. And I've said throughout this thing, I hope when this is over, now that it's getting over, that anybody, everybody must say that they never want to starve again. Okay? <laughs> and they are going to get to Mass anytime they can, Hopefully daily, hopefully daily, but we'll see, <laughs> you know, time will tell. But if 70% say they don't believe in a real presence, I have my issues with that. That's what we have to pray harder. We have to pray. Our prayer has to be to bring people to a, an acknowledgement and, and, and come back and grab the faith. That's really what I, where I, what I see as being our need. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, you know, and, and, and you know, you know with the being on the front lines with us in this apostolate, what we, what we face, you know, but... Um, but there's there's there are things that are um, uh, you know I, I look at I look at the um, you know I mean conversion from sin is the message of Fatima okay and you convert by your 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 actions and, and your prayer actions you know and when you when Our Lady warned of atheistic communism you know uh, it's kind of morphed into the that train wreck of secularism okay and that's what's undermining our society right now it's uh, we 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 just it, this is a um, you know that we're not we're not looking to um, um, to the um, uh, you know to, to to God to give us a solution to what we have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have taken a little break here, Barb. I hope you can hold over for us. And uh, when we come back, I'd like to follow up in this theme and, and and with Tony a little more about what they're doing here in the in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So I'm David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on AM 750 WNDZ. Yes, there is a free lunch. You can find chicken tenders, mac and cheese, pizza, pancakes, and more for children under 18 years of age in each household available for grab-and-go curbside pickup Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 1.30 p.m. at Holy Trinity High School, 1443 West Division. The children don't have to be Holy Trinity students. Holy Trinity High School has partnered with Country House on the ISBE Summer Food Service Program. Enjoy Country House's signature made from scratch cooking and fun snack packs to brighten your summer. To find out more about the free lunch at Holy Trinity High School, call 708-389-4618. That's 708-389-4618. Come and enjoy meals every day. Let's eat! Anybody got an extra spork? I lost mine. During this COVID-19 virus pandemic, 
offering you prayer and inspiration through your faith. Faith, faith. The, the, the Winds of Change on AM 750 WNDZ. Because of the unprecedented COVID-19 virus pandemic, the Providence Soup Kitchen at St. Stan's needs your immediate help. The Soup Kitchen is asking for your donations of water, juice boxes, individual food servings, hand sanitizers, and Lysol. The Providence Soup Kitchen at St. Stan's is operating regular hours during this pandemic. The Soup Kitchen is operated by the Daughters of St. Mary Providence from the basement of St. Stanislaus Kloska Church, which serves over 21,000 meals per year. To offer your help, please call Sister Darlene at 773-870-2435. That number again is 773-870-2435. Thank you. Welcome back. David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony. And uh, I have, uh, I have uh, Tony Snell in the studio with me and Barb, Barb Burns to run line. Barb, he's still there with us? Barb? Barb? Yep, I'm here. Oh, there you are. Here. Okay, I thought I lost you. Sorry. <laughs> Not a problem. It's Not okay. a problem. So okay. anyway, so we're back. But I, I think that, uh, you know, Barb, what, we, what we're talking about and what we're talking with Tony about is that we, we, we have to have, um, you know, we need to get up and start fighting. I mean, we really do. We have to fight for our faith. And I, I think that perhaps, you know, people do say that, that you know, that our bishops have been timid and our, and our, our um, priests have been timid, our clergy overall. And there might be some truth to that. I don't know. But I think they're, but they're, they're, painting, they're being painted into a corner by the secular authorities who really do not understand, okay? I mean, I truly don't. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to become political, but the reality is, you know, we have to stand up for the faith. And in the, in the history of the church, that's always been the case. We can't expect people who are not even of our faith to understand why we need it so badly. It has to be presented, and we have to stand up and fight. Although we do have to respect, the, obviously, the, the, the need to be careful, in, especially in a pandemic time. Nobody's, nobody's minimizing that. But I think, um, but we, you know, I, it's funny how, I, I don't know, when you, go to, when you go to Mass regularly, as, as I do, and I you know you do, and, and you know, Tony, you do too, <laughs> is, you know, sometimes a reading just grabs you, okay? And uh, last week, about a week ago, on Saturday, I, the, the reading from, of St. Paul to Timothy, towards the end of his time now, after his house arrest and everything, <clears throat> but I love what it said in this first reading. And let me just read it. I've been, I've been looking at it all the time. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingly power, proclaim the word, be persistent, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, convince, reprimand, encourage through all patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but follow their own desires an insatiable curiosity, will accumulate teachers and will stop listening to the truth and will be diverted to myths. But you, be self-possessed in all circumstances, put up with hardship, perform the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. To me, that, that, that was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I've, heard, I've read that before. It is, it's 
truly speaks to us during this time. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. It's amazing how it just comes right at you. You know, yeah. you know, you know, it's like we we need to we need we have to fight for our faith. And of course, the faith you fight for is one that's more important to you. OK. And, you know, at one time and being in this position as now the executive director prior to that, I was the president of this national apostolate for a number of years. I've spoken many places. I'm a trustee of the International Board of Trustees and I've traveled you know, into Eastern Europe and the Czech Republic, and I've spoken in Russia. And let me tell you something. The people that are Catholic there are fiercely Catholic, okay, <laughs> because they had to fight for it, all right? They gave up, you know, life and limb to a great degree, as well as property and, and status and other things uh, that, that they, you know, to, to, to be able to practice their faith. And they were there to bring it back. And this is why in Eastern Europe, you know, you are you have seen a lot of strength, I think, and a lot of things going on. They're seeing what's happening in the world, and they know. They see the dangers of it, okay? They're seeing parallels happening in this country, and, you know, we are asleep to a great degree. I think not just, you know, I mean, our generation, the generation that's succeeding us, uh, we need we need to catechize in a way that's never been done before. Okay, we need to get it our order. Say never done before, never done since the earliest days of the church. But I truly, truly do believe that you know the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, which Our Lady promised, which we work for. That's our 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 work as as this members of this apostolate. Um, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is going to be that awakening in people's minds. Okay, I truly believe that that. You know, the, the great persecutions of the church by the isms of the 20th century, communism, Nazism, go on, whatever they were, secularism, probably worse than all of them. because It's kind of a combination of all of them brought together. Yeah. And, you know, because it's easy to say, it's easy to look at the communist years and say, look at that. And people are starving and people, you know, they don't have things. They don't have, you know, we see that. I mean, my wife is from Poland. My, and, of course, she was young when, when her parents came over here. But my mother-in-law will often talk about when they had to drive from Poland into Czechoslovakia to buy consumer goods because the Poles fought and kept their churches open, okay? And, and because of that, they were deprived of many consumer goods in Poland, and they would have to go to Czechoslovakia to pick them up. And that's just, you know, it's a little thing, but it shows you that there is a, there is a, a price we pay, okay? And we have to be willing to pay that price, all right. And look what came out of Poland, you know, St. Pope John Paul II, how, how dynamic, how strong. I mean, thank God. I mean, the things he said, he saw it coming. He saw it, to, he saw it today. When he was here in this country in, I believe it was 1976, when he made his famous speech and he spoke about we're coming into the time of the, the, the church and the anti-church, okay? <clears throat> here we are, okay? We are here. We are living in the times we were warned of. You know, but I do uh, believe. And I'm sorry, go on, Brad. Yeah. Now's the time to not be afraid. We really need to listen to John Paul II in that sense, too. In the many times in the Bible it shows up, do not be afraid. Be not afraid. It's what Our Lady said at Fatima. Yeah, exactly. We, we should. We have no reason to be afraid. No. This is a time to make a choice right. for God, for her son. Um, yeah. he, people of Eucharistic people, stand up for our faith. I know our, our parish are calling on people to go out into the streets with your rosary to sure. pray around the neighborhoods with your rosaries in hand let people see those rosaries we need to be we need to be noted we need to be become the i, I think there's a lot of people out there that are afraid to speak up i have people who yes. friends of mine who work in corporate america and they're being basically coached on what they can and can't say and and 
they're afraid. They're, people are afraid, and we can't be people of fear. That is not who we are. Yeah. I, I'm not saying don't um, listen to some of the things that are coming at us that need to change, yes, but we should not be bullied into being afraid right now, especially for our, fra- our faith. Yes. And, and so now's the time to make a choice. And, you know, tomorrow's the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's right. Many of us have consecrated ourselves to that Immaculate Heart. Are we going to look at her now and say, are you here? You're here to protect us. You promised us. She, her heart was supposed to be a refuge for us. Are we seeking refuge in her heart? Yeah. She's the one who's going to bring us. She's the conduit for peace and grace. She's the conduit for mercy. She brings us to Christ. We have to be a people that stand up and, and now proclaim that. We do. We have to. We have to do it and not be afraid. Uh, you know. See, this is a problem in our society. We are people. We have what possessions, okay? And mm-hmm. we don't want to lose our possessions, our life's work, whatever it is, okay? And 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 and, and there's obviously, you know, that's that's an attribute. I mean, you know, of, of you know of a society that functions under God. And I'm glad that. But the bottom line is that it cannot be the reason why we do and do not do things, okay? Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great Russian author and, you know, author and critic of the Soviet system, who spoke a lot about the gulag system and, of course, was deported, came to this country. Um, he made this comment, he made this statement that once they take everything away from you, they have no control over you. Boy, that was right. prof- I thought that was very profound. Once they take everything away from you, now they have no control over you because, because you got nothing to lose at that point. And I think that's where we're at. You know, you asked why we, 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 we pondered how how the, the, the people could do what they did on September 11th, the suicide uh, attackers. Uh, you, you, you wonder how the kamikazes in World War II, it's all, it's all they had was that honor of what they're doing for whatever reason, and, you know, and they were able to do it. You know? And I think that that's what we have to keep in mind. If, if, the, if, if our faith and prom- promoting that faith is not the most important thing in our life and our being, then we really, we failed. We have failed. And when we stand in front of judgment, God's not going to say, God, I really love that Maserati that you drove. You know, that was really great. Mm-hmm. Ah, no. <laughs> Were you willing to give that Maserati or even your whatever you're driving up, your house, your nice house, your, your, your convenient, your good job, all these things? Are you willing to put those in jeopardy to stand up for the right thing? And I know people who've done it. Uh, you know, one, one, one fellow I know very well, a doctor, who, who literally lost his position because he took a stand for life in a hospital. And, and unfortunately, some of the people that were on that board were Catholic priests and nuns, too, and it was a sad situation. But he said, no, it had to do with, with, with holding nourishment from a, a, a patient. You know. but, but he was blackballed as a result of it. You know, I'm not going to get into name and all that. That happens a lot. But he said, he said, you know, he, said he, he turned to Padre Pio, and he asked Padre Pio, help me get through this. And he came out on the other side happier than, than he could have been. You know, I have to take one more break here. And so when we come back, I'd like to talk a little more about this and then wrap this up. Uh, This is David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on AM 750 WNDZ. You can find chicken tenders, mac and cheese, pizza, pancakes, and more for children under 18 years of age in each household available for grab-and-go curbside pickup Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 1.30 p.m. at Holy Trinity High School, 1443 West Division. The children don't have to be Holy Trinity students. Holy Trinity High School has partnered with Country House on the ISBE Summer Food Service Program. 
Enjoy Country House's signature made from scratch cooking and fun snack packs to brighten your summer. To find out more about the free lunch at Holy Trinity High School, call 708-389-4618. That's 708-389-4618. Come and enjoy meals every day. Let's eat! Anybody got an extra spork? I lost mine. The Winds of Change on AM 750 WNDZ. Here's some welcome news. Father Anthony is reopening St. Stanislaus Koska for the worship of Almighty God. St. Stans will be limited to 150 people at any given time and you must register to attend Mass. Because there's a lot of information that you'll need to have, we recommend that you visit the Winds of Change Facebook page to read Father Anthony's letter, which can walk you through the entire registration process. You can also register to attend Mass at St. Stan's by calling the parish office at 773-278-2470. That's 773-278-2470. Welcome back. David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change. And, uh, when, we, when we left off before the break, I was speaking with uh, Barb Ernster and with, with Tony Snell here. We were talking about the um, uh, just, just what we have to do. We cannot be fearful people. We have to be warriors, okay? And yeah. we're going to, you know, <laughs> we, we have to get out there and understand. Our Catholic faith needs to be the most important thing in our life, okay? Working for the salvation of souls has to be the most important thing in our lives. And we have to look, you know, and I, of course, you know, we, we model ourselves after the children of Fatima to a great degree, um, just sent in Francisco, those innocent little souls who offered their life and their sufferings and their death in those three years, two to three years after the apparitions, when they were then taken by the pandemic, then the Spanish flu. Now here they are, here we are a hundred years later, uh, how history repeats itself. But I've always looked more to Sister Lucia uh, sister, not 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 discounting the beauty of what the children, the younger children did, but when Our Lady said, you know, <clears throat> Lucia, Jacinta Francisco will come to heaven soon, but you will be here a while longer to make me known and loved, and that was almost nine nine centuries or nine decades. I mean, she <laughs> she was eighty seven more years, and I looked at how did she live those 87 years. And a beautiful book that really talks about it is a book that we publish with the Sisters of Coimbra, where she lives. It's A Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary. That book's available on bluearmy.com, our website. And um, uh, it, is, it is her biography, written by the sisters who lived with her. Um, they wrote, obviously, they do the Portuguese edition. We publish the English edition of that and her Rosary Meditations, another book. And I think if you want to read a book that truly has... Um, uh, really gets into her life. And Barb, I'll, I'll turn it to you in a minute to, to maybe say a couple things about the book. But just recently, uh, when we published the latest edition, uh, His Eminence, Cardinal Burke, actually wrote a, uh, a forward for it, an endorsement for it. And he said it's the, it was the best book he read on Fatima because it, it got into Sister Lucia's life, how she lived it and promoted it for those years. You know, so... Uh, well, Sister Lucia was, is certainly a model for us because I look I look at those three kids. I was just thinking about it this morning and all the dangers that were emerging in the world all around them. And they were in this quiet little place in the middle of Portugal. 
And they, they simply just did what Our Lady asked them to do. You know, she said, pray the rosary every day. Well, they did it. The angel taught them these prayers. They prayed them every day. He asked for everything to be made of a sacrifice, and they did it. Everything they could think of, even to the point where, you know, little Jacinta ate the bitter acorns instead of her lunch that day. That was a sacrifice she could offer. I mean, the amazing way that these kids responded to Our Lady and how hard it is for us we look for all the things that are going on in this Fatima apparition. What's going on in the world? They were unconcerned with what was going on. They were only concerned with what she asked them to do. And that's exactly how Lucia lived for the remaining years of her life. I mean, she went through World War II. She was was worried about a uh, what was going to happen if the consecration get, didn't get done, did not get done. She was worried about nuclear war. I mean, she had to just sit back and wait and trust in the Lord. But the many, many dangers that were going on throughout the 20th century and the atrocities that were committed, the many different ideologies that emerged and that we're living with them right now in our own society as well, she stayed at peace within, and she kept her mind on the Lord, and she kept asking every day, what is it you want me to do? That's what we have to do. What does the Lord want us to do in response to this, all that's going on? Yeah. yeah. I think what it is, uh, Barb, we have to get used to asking God, what he wants us to do, as you just said, as opposed to saying, okay, Lord, I got all these plans laid out, now bless them, okay? You know, I'm asking you to bless these mm-hmm. plans. Well, okay, in some cases he'll plan, you know, sometimes ideas, obviously he's going to allow those to be put in your head or puts them in your head, but the reality is, what do you want, okay? We have to turn to Our Lady. What plans do you have? I mean, And I've seen many things in my eight years as the director and as apostolate, and, and I've had a tremendous amount of frustration at different times about certain things because it's not falling into place the way I want. But then it seems to develop in a way somewhat parallel, okay? Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of saying, oh, I see you had a plan. You had a plan that, that, that my arrogance wouldn't allow me to see. Okay. And that I think is our biggest, we have to be, we have to be, again, humble. We have to, we have to, that's why those children primarily are, are a great guide because, and, and it's interesting, our Lord appears to children many times, to young people, and often, probably more often than not, they don't live into old age. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're looking right. to people who live much less human existence than we do or have yet. And, but they, they, they've reached that point and maybe in, and in God's mercy, he wants them out now and take them to something better because he doesn't want them tainted by this world. Because even Sister Lucia, even in the cloister, and, and as you see in that book, In a Pathway Under the Big Age of Mary, that she, you know, she suffered tremendous frustration through her life. That was part of the maturing process, the aging process, the frustration, the, the um, you know, not seeing things come into play the way you want. And that was, that was very difficult for her. Very difficult. I think one of her greatest frustrations was she felt like everything she had been asked to do was accomplished. Yeah. But she still was asked to live, what, another 10 or 15 or 20 years? I mean, she was right, like, right. Yeah. she was so ready for heaven. She was she, done. She was. She was, and, she was ready for heaven. Go until yeah. 90, yeah. Right. 97 years. I mean, 97 that, years. Yeah. It makes you think of eternity, so, doesn't it? Uh, right. <laughs> and I, I, I laugh about that. A while that longer. She, yeah, yeah. She was just so human in her response to everything. She, she, she was really so human. Was. There was a... There's a book that was written in 1947 by Father uh, William Thomas Walsh called Our Lady of Fatima. And he asked her a question about, he was asking her, you know, well, what about the end of the world? And she said she wasn't going to comment on that. You know, she was asking her all these questions about what Our Lady told her. And he said, the, in your opinion, will every country, without exception, be overcome by communism? Yeah. And this is if the consecration did not happen. She said, yes. 
Then he asked her about America. Did Our Lady ever say anything to you about the United States of America? And she apparently gave him a very startled glance, and then she smiled. She had this mischievous way about her. She was amused. Yeah. She was amused by the question. Mm-hmm. And he felt like she was saying, you know, America isn't as important in the grand scheme of things as you think it is. But she said no. She said, Our Lady never said anything, but I wish you would have some masses said for me in the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, I thought she had such a charm about her. Sure. So despite sure. the, you know, she had very mystical understandings of the world and things that were going to happen. And yeah. Uh, yeah. she had seen the third secret. She had seen hell, but she also had seen Our Lady in heaven, and she knew what awaited her. Mm-hmm. And so she kept her mind on that. Oh. And I, she just had a very amusing way of responding to some of these questions where people were curious and wanting to know what was going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, and I think she she understood it, and she you know because because she had her frustrations, she had her concerns, she had all the same things, and I I think that's what you know you, you live in a cloister, you're still living in the world, okay? May not maybe not in the same way, and uh, uh, but I, I think you 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 are you're you're living the human experience, and of course her I mean when she when you know there were se- there were I, what I think I believe seventy thousand documents that had to be reviewed for her cause, because mm-hmm. because she communicated with everybody, with sisters, with priests, with lay people, with, you know, politicians, with bishops, with cardinals, with popes. I mean, and she was prolific. When Our Lady said, you're going to learn to read and write, she took it seriously. I mean, she really did. Mm-hmm. And she and she communicated with a lot of people throughout the years about the Fatima message, about the church, and about everything else. And I think, but I think, you know, she always said that there is nothing in the world. One of her, her, her later things was, there's nothing in the world that cannot be solved through the recitation of the rosary, okay? Right. And I think Pope John Paul said, seven, excuse me, second said a similar thing in a 1980 interview in a magazine when people are talking about the third secret, the third part of the secret and all this. He said, you can't look at something as being predicted as being etched in stone, okay? You pray for the proper, proper things to happen. Anyway, I'm going to have to cut a little short here. You know, Tony, I'm going to throw it back to you a little bit here. Can you tell us anything about the uh, specials going on here at St. Stan's that we should do with the reopening and uh, just generally, you know, how you feel here? Well, we, we are open. That, that That's the thing. We have masses on Sunday and it's, you know, 50 people and it's all spread out. Everything is um, um, taken care of that way. And we have adoration Monday through Saturday, one to nine, I believe, and you know, between the masses and all. And I agree. I, I, I as we guys were talking, I'm dwelling on the uh, these the Fatima prayers, the, the my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And, and I'm thinking that even Divine Mercy, how we're there just for you know reparation. And I think about even having take advantage of the time in the churches and they can't take that away from us. That's right. You know, I'm in that part part where I agree with you with the, you know, I, 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 I don't, I want to obey. I'm obeying to this point, but it's getting to a point where if you can go riot and loot and have all those people out there for, you know, yeah. and nobody's caring about, you know, the, the virus at that point, we can open our churches. We need our churches. Our churches are important. Yeah, more than anything, we need our churches, and I, um, and that's why you know our apostolate, and we, we're try, we've been trying to do everything going on and on. We're we're supporting our our churches and our, our our priests and our bishops the best we can. For more information on our apostolate, come to bluearmy.com. Uh, many many resources there, and um, we hope you become part of it. Get on or sign that pledge because that's the important thing. The pledge Sister Lucia worked out for us. God bless you, David Carollo, sitting in today. We'll see you next time.
what's there to say when the world makes no sense? Do we search deeper truths or sit on the fence? Can you see? Can you see? Can you see the winds have changed? We marvel and flatter such meaningless thought. The shell appears strong, but the inside is right. It's time to be stirred. The time.